0: this is Dave Fryer. Welcome to the Reluctant Agilist. I'm here today with Zach Stone and we're going to talk about some AI related stuff and how it's going to affect all of our jobs. So Zach, thank you for making time in your day. Dave, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to get to chat with you. Um, And so you have, I think the, the distinction of, I always tell people that the interview we did last time was probably my most favorite interview I've ever done because of just how impactful that story was. So I'm gonna make sure to include a link and tell everyone you should go listen to that one after this one. Um, But we're not gonna talk about Ukraine today, we're gonna talk about AI. So before we get into that, would you mind giving the folks here a quick rundown on your origin story and when the spider bit you?
1: Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, In 1999, uh, I got dragged to a facilitation Uh, program called Help Increase the Peace. And it was a training program for youth learning how to facilitate, to work with people in crisis and conflict. Um, We got to work with gang members. We worked with people coming in and out of the prison system. And that really set me off down the path of being interested in behavioral science and how groups work together uh, and how they deal with conflict together, how they succeed together. And I did that work, organizational dynamics, for a number of years. And then in uh, 2015, I started doing work as a sort of Scrum Master Consultant. I, I was more doing lean work at that time. Uh, and I started working with some software teams that were attached to my clients that I was doing org dev with. And I just was doing sort of process improvement stuff. And I had a, a engineer buddy who said, you know, you you would be a great Scrum Master. And he had been in some of my facilitations and so I started reading about it and I started applying the Scrum practices and principles, the Agile principles and values to my work uh, and I saw tremendous results and I got bit then um, seeing the, the real tremendous impact I was able to have using some of these frameworks and these values and so I left my organization to go out and do the, the work full time as a, as a technology based Scrum master and Agile coach.
0: All right, thank you. Before we get into our topic, I want to ask you a quick question. So, the Scrum Alliance has a new um, facilitation certification, and oh, since I didn't know you about come that. from yeah, since you come from that background, could you just say a few words about how coming from that space informs your ability to be valuable for a team?
1: Yeah, i I've found that the easiest part of the work for me. Has been learning the framework. The hardest part, the thing that seems to be the most challenging for me and my fellow delivery managers, scrum masters, is the managing of the people, the dealing with the people and the the complex interactions between conflicting stakeholders, between uh, siloed departments, between team members who don't get along, uh, between tech leads who fight with the product owner and vice versa. And so that messy stuff is where the facilitation skills come into play. And when you learn about facilitation, you learn how to deeply connect with other humans in a group setting, and to uh, help them deeply connect with each other in more productive, healthy ways. And so that has been the core of my work. Um, well, since 1999, but since I got into technology, that has been my my competitive advantage. That oh. understanding of facilitation and, and human behavior um, has. Put me in a place to be more successful than some of my peers because, again, that that behavioral part of this is is one of the most uh, challenging and messy. And so, yes, I would encourage everyone who's interested to get uh, more education in the topic of group facilitation.
0: Awesome, that was a great pitch. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to talk about artificial intelligence and people on a scrum team or people on any kind of team, I guess, really, but. Um, You're coming from a, a Scrum and Agile background. So what's the main way of explaining the question you're pursuing?
1: The question I'm pursuing is how soon will parts of our job be augmented and replaced? And what is a, I want to say, smarter or more sustainable path for us as Scrum Masters, Agilists, Agile Nation to pursue as AI uh, takes parts of our job from us and makes them easier to do. Where should we be focusing our energy as technology uh, meets Scrum
0: Mastery? Okay, I think the way you said that at the end is really important because when people talk about this, they talk about what's being taken away. It's a language of loss. But the idea is that it's going to make things easier which should free us up to do better stuff or other stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, so
1: IBM issued a statement this month. It was actually two weeks ago saying that over 40% of their workforce is going to need to learn new skills. And they were AI skills specifically. And this is a quote from them, from uh, IBM. AI won't replace people, but people who use AI will replace people who don't. And I firmly believe that about Scrum Masters. Uh, it's not necessarily going to replace a Scrum Master, at least for, you know, the foreseeable future, but AI, uh, uh, Scrum Masters and Agilists who can master the power of the AI tools will supplant those who do not uh, invest their time to learn it.
0: Okay. And um, in, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh-
1: so if your job is spent doing admin work, right? Like it, like when I really got early into the scrum stuff, I found that teams didn't always know how to interact with the scrum master. Um, yeah. And they, they felt that like part of my job was booking the meetings, starting the sprint and giving like really basic tips on the metrics. And all that stuff is like normal things that I do. And, and I think most of us do, yeah. but there's now an app for that. Uh, if you've looked at the JIRA insights tool, which is a really powerful um, new dashboard that I guess was added in the past, you know, year or so. It's awesome. And they're getting closer to sort of giving the insights and the tips that scrum masters might give at the start of a sprint or like at a retrospective. And it looks at the reporting. It looks, you know, does some JIRA magic and says, you know, these are how many stories you pulled out of the sprint. This is how much of your commitment that you're meeting that, you know, you should consider taking less stories than you took uh, in the past sprint. And like, yeah, that is something that a scrum master might provide in terms of a service. And now JIRA, is providing that for them in an automated way. And so that uh, should be both a little scary, but also wonderful in that it frees us up to focus in other areas. And there are also a few Scrum Master chatbots that are in development. There's even a machine learning tool that analyzes a team's work and with 89% accuracy gives an estimate of the work time and effort of future stories. And then it pairs that story to the best person for the job. What is that? I, I can send you the research article on it. Okay. I, was, I was reading about it today again, um, you know, this team that's building this. And, you know, the question that I, I have is for organizations that don't truly understand the agile principles and why uh, autonomy is valuable, why exactly would an organization support team autonomy when they can have accuracy? When they can have a tool that just tells people what work they should pick up and exactly how much time and effort it's going to take them, why would they listen to the team?
0: <laughs> All right. So that, that's a really, I'm very conflicted about what you just said, because part of my brain feel, has for a long time felt like what I wish we had on every team was a data scientist. Like I want my own little mini Troy McGinnis or my own C3PO to tell me like, this is <laughs> what all this information means. And this is what your lead time is and your cycle time is, and this is what's going to happen if you put one more piece of work into the, you know, workflow and stuff like that. Um, and, I think that that would help me working with the team to, to to like create insights and help us become more aware and take some of the busy work away. But once the machine starts telling me who's going to write what code, I take great umbrage at that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because that's what I was trying to do when I was a project manager and I was not great at it and people really resented it. And I worry that, They're going to resent the AI the same way you're going to have like your own virtual Frederick Taylor. there telling people how to do stuff. (laughs) I think that's the challenge, right? We have this, this,
1: there is some beautiful stuff coming from these tools that are going to free us and other people on the team up to do in some ways more meaningful and impactful work. But we have to be careful not to become overtaken by the machine. Uh, And so, you know, It's something that I'm I'm consistently thinking about how metrics and reports are these extremely powerful tools. And I agree with you. I would love to have a data scientist. My one PO on my team, right? One of my teams right now is always saying that he's actually studying data science because he wants to be a better product owner. And I think, you know, for us as Scrum Masters, yeah. Just producing these reports and like sharing the metrics out is not a path to sustainability because it's about how we use those metrics to engender change. Because any, you know, any AI data model, machine learning model that they're developing for this purpose is a, is a probably going to get a, as accurate as many entry level Scrum masters at giving insights and uh, giving some basic tips and suggestions about who should be doing what work, etc. Uh, the problem, if we focus and stay in that area and like hang firm to like, well, this is what I do. I like come up with those reports and I share those metrics. If you're not doing the change work that accompanies those insights, you're going to be replaceable. And so what I continue to tell my colleagues and I'm reminding myself is we need to embrace the mess because that is something that AI is very bad at. It's really good at predictable, repeatable tasks, but the messiness of human beings, uh -uh. that is something that human beings are best at.
0: All right, so I got a whole bunch. On, I want to ask you now. So you were talking about engendering change, and I think that's a really big. Like the, the point you just ended on there is really significant because I can totally see how we would become like the metrics bitch, for lack of a better word. Like we only <laughs> yeah. do what the metrics tell us to do, and we just end up like those people in Wally who are on the deck chairs sliding up and down the <laughs> spaceship with their what big drinks. Image. <laughs> yeah, because we don't have to think, we don't have to do anything anymore, but. But the it just raises the, the engagement to a higher level. Now that we can see the metrics, now you have to actually find a way to social engineer change within the organization and get people to think about stuff at a level they're probably not accustomed to thinking about.
1: You want to know what my wake-up call for this was? Um Terminator. I read an article about Capital One uh, and yeah. how they had replaced their Agilists with like, the Pmo and like augmented Pmo and yeah. I started asking myself like what is a cyborg our Pmo great <laughs> what what is our differentiator like not just like the AI end of this and I, I I ended up there but the question was like what is our differentiator between a Pmo or a product owner who gets really good at the metrics and digging who can use the Jira Insights tool and can use a Scrum Master chatbot what makes us different. Um, and how do we stand out from our PM and PO counterparts? And if yeah. all we're doing is adding these metrics and reports, and like in- enforcing basic adherence to the Scrum events, then yeah, eventually we could be replaced with the right tools. And so that that moment of seeing that like huge organizational transition um, yeah. where they replace their Agilist, that that freaked me out. <laughs> totally transparently, so I want to that I was a trigger for me.
0: Ask you about this because I I haven't read some of the stuff that you've read, and I just was doing a podcast related to this two days ago. Um, so the the argument is that because we have greater insight into data and metrics, then we can give this back to the PMO because they already know how to do all the management stuff. Is that a good summary?
1: I mean, that that is what I think some organizations are drawing aligned to mentally and saying, okay. well, it saves money if really the value that we're getting is just like scrum adherence and, and yeah. just basic like Jira, Jira jockeying, why can't a PO do that stuff with a little bit of support from some tooling? And if you're okay. out there and you're a scrum master who gets into the mix, you're dealing with stakeholder conflict you're dealing with team conflict, you're helping with change management, you're shepherding complex initiatives along, you're dealing with the mess of emotions and you're doing like working with reorgs and things like that. That is not particularly replaceable. But the Jira Jockey stuff, I mean, just look at what Jira has been able to do in a very short amount of time with some basic machine learning stuff. So I want other Scrum Masters to be thinking about where they bring the most value. Uh, And like, remember the Chris Rock skit about Robitussin. You know if you're an, if you're a person that you're like agile, <laughs> I can is only scrum.
0: ever remember the one about keeping your daughter off the pole. <laughs> oh, That's the
1: only no, cr- <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is this. So, this one he's like, you know, do you, you have a broken arm, pour some robotussin on it. You oh, got a yeah, yeah. wound, robotussin. And I've met a bunch of scrum masters and agilists who are like, you know, you got a broken team, pour some scrum on it. You got fighting executive team members, pour some scrum on it. And like that, that is not gonna so- work. We, we need to break from that scrum master. Just like everything is scrum mentality and move towards being agilist,
0: which is like truly being adaptive in a complex space. All right. I'm going to go in a weird direction for a second. Yeah, yeah. And we'll it. come back to AI. So um, what you just said threaded something together together for me that I've been super confused about. And I'm going to tie it back to a conversation I had at, my, at the first scrum gathering I went to in 2010 where I met Jim Cundiff. Um, who at the time was the managing director of the Scrum Alliance, we were talking about Scrum, and I was coming from PMI. So I was there like as, as the, the dyed-in-the-wool PMP. And I, I said, like, I can totally understand how I would explain the value of Agile to a traditional project manager, like why they need to learn it, how it's going to help them but I do not have any idea of how I would explain the value of traditional project management to an agileist, since it's something that they're actively working to change. And he said, well, the Agile people don't know how to go upstairs. And now this was in 2010. So it was a long time ago. And I don't think that necessarily holds true now, but I'm wondering if buried deeply in the psyche of business there is still this lingering perception, maybe this is like that historical or learned trauma thing or whatever, that the Agile people, they're great with the team level, You know, they're good doing their little Agile thing, but they're like a bunch of hippies and you can't take them to the boardroom. And the PMO knows how to do that. They've been in that boardroom getting kicked around for a long time. So let's take the Agile benefits and give it back to the people that know how to interact with the C-level. Wow. Uh, I think that's a powerful point. Um <laughs> that, was, looked, that was a very I, diplomatic way of of not agreeing. No, but. no, no,
1: no. <laughs> I you know, I think that there are Agilists that I've met who are people that come from a business transformation background, who come from like high-level project management, and they're like, you know what, this stuff just wasn't working for me. I worked with a scrum master for a long time. I saw really impactful stuff that they did. There are now. We didn't used to be. Right. So, I mean, I think when he said that, I see the reality of that. Like I've talked to people who are high level in their role, but they're agilists and they're they're scrum folk. And I'm like, hey, we have these high level stakeholders that are having this conflict. They're not communicating across the departments. We have a major silo problem. And their answer is like scaling, scrum. And it Right. No. It's like like the death
0: grip of waterfall is still squeezing the edges of the table and won't let go.
1: Exactly. And that that is more about conflict transformation. That's more about change management. That's more about leadership coaching, perhaps, and like systems thinking. That's not necessarily just like we're going to throw one solution at everything. And I think that is where we run into this perception problem of just being like micro focused on the team space because, ad you know, the Scrum Guide really speaks to the team. We need to keep. Doing brand awareness of of us as agilists, of like, hey, we can play at that C suite level and we can do it more effectively in many ways because we bring these unique skills that have not been as welcome in the business space for a long time. Clearly, you know, we know that a lot of traditional project management has not worked in the way that people would like in terms of getting results. And that's where (laughs) Agile came from, right? So like, they they need to acknowledge that there was a reason that Scrum and Agile came about. And it was because that stuff wasn't working so well. And I think we've hit like an inflection point of like, hey, is is Scrum and Agile principles as they are being applied, not as they exist, but as they're being applied, are they serving what they need to be? Or is there some new paradigm that's going to come up out of the bones of Scrum, like as happened with traditional project management that involves AI, that involves conflict transformation, that involves right. facilitation, as you mentioned earlier. Like, I think there's a reason why we're evolving our practice, but but we as a group need to be evolving a little quicker, or else people will look at AI and say, Well, they're good at the team, they're good at these, like, you know, insights and reports, but you know, maybe an AI could do some of that stuff. Let's
0: just get well, the, the PMO folks. It's in not there. unlike what happened in business when computers were introduced. You know, same. So, uh, But I'm going to go down a path for a second. I'm trying to think of things that could happen with AI better than happen in traditional project management on the metric side. Yeah. So if you applied flow metrics to a project management team, I mean, that would be freaking amazing. You don't even need earned value anymore because you can see how all of it's playing out. And if you didn't worry about re baselining stuff and you just had it automatically show like what was happening based on the flow metrics and the team composition and things like that. And then you could look at have the system look at utilization and tell you like, well, if I add a person based on the history of teams in this company, what's it going to do? Right. You could kind of game stuff out and figure out the best path or what you can have or what you can't have. And that would all be scienced out the same way that you buying stuff in a supermarket is nothing about free will and choice. It's just because they made you do what they wanted to make you do. Right. There, there are two things I
1: think about here to this thing, that this, this scenario you're bringing up. So one, you know, for AI machine learning models is basically what we're talking about here. We're not talking about neural nets and like deeper, um, deeper tools that, that kind of come up with their own uh, equations. Um, and variables. The, the machine learning is where you're dictating those variables to the machine and telling it what to look for and then it's helping you make decisions. We you still need for a significant period of time people that know what to look for in your system and like you need clean data and it, it, most organizations even data organizations have a lot of dirty data right which is like you know it's gonna be a new movie with with uh, AI Patrick Swayze dirty data um, and you know like <laughs> and it'll rip its throat out you're <laughs> right <laughs> God. Uh, and like you know they. They're going to need people for a long time who understand what the metrics mean and how they apply to a team to help translate into that into a model. So I don't want people listening to be like, "Oh, he thinks we're getting replaced tomorrow." No, we've we got we got a while we got a while yet, and also um, just beyond like the dirty data aspect of this of not having the data that we need. you're going to need someone to be able to manipulate those metrics and those scenarios that you're talking about. Someone to to tell the story, right. To feed it, those scenarios, and then take the, whatever it's given back and translate it. And you said it well as a story. Um, And so that I think we can become not metrics jockeys and and JIRA magicians, but we can become sense makers and we can become data manipulators and storytellers. And that is where the change making comes in. And I think that is a much more sustainable path for us. And you kind of You laid out that little scenario there where we can be like real time using metrics uh, in a more informed way. And I I have so many teams that I'm supporting right now that sometimes I'm pulled away to different teams that need more help at any one time. And then I have to go back in and do like a deep dive into the data. I would love having a model that just is consistently doing that in the background for me, continuously analyzing in an automated way. And then when I come back to it, it gives me a readout of like, hey, here were the things you told me to look for. This is what I've seen. Now it's up to you to use it. And like that yeah. is coming, and that's being that's being worked on and built. but like the the most use that we'll get out of that is if we as agilists learn to harness those tools.
0: okay, so I have a bunch of different paths I want to go down, but I'm gonna stick with the part of the human thing for a second. Um, and this this is meant to emphasize what you were just saying about the need for people. I know a bunch of people that have written books by pairing with AI. That's how refer to it or i guess that's that's the way that it was referred to that made the most sense to me it's not that i'm having ai do the writing for me i am pairing with it because i'm feeding it stuff and tuning it and honing it to get a result the problem i have is that when i am given something to read by a a colleague or a friend i can tell within one paragraph if it was written by ai or not Mm. and if it is written by ai i don't know what it is about the writing but it's like so hypnotically boring, I literally can't remember anything I read by the time I get to the end of any paragraph in it. Like, well, I read a whole book, and the person I knew who wrote it, I didn't even see their voice or hear their voice until the last paragraph of the book. AI can't replace a person's humanity, their ability to tell a story, their ability to bring life to it. It's just using buzzwords right now.
1: Yeah, I mean it's copying, and and like while well, human beings do copy, I read this really cool article, and I'm gonna butcher some of the scientific terms. So I'm not even gonna try to use them. I'm just gonna summarize it. It was about how jazz musicians improvise, and what they're able to do. And this is true for storytellers and, and creatives. They're able to turn off the part of the brain that that really governs analysis and judgment, and sort of allow la- allow the creative part of the brain to free flow and have sort of free reign, and Uh, you know, improvisation is not what AI is good at, but humans are wonderful at improvisation and adaptation. I mean, that's how our species has survived and come to the place uh, of technological growth where we're creating AIs, right? Um, that is adaptation, that is innovation. And again, as you sort of mentioned, that's not something that AI is good at. And that part of that is just us as humans being able to, uh, Turn parts of our brain off and bring that creativity to the forefront, and so we write things that that AI can only um, can only start to copy at this point. Maybe down the road we'll get to a place where an AI can sort of simulate that creative process, um, and that honestly would be very sad for me because I don't want human beings to lose that that wonderful <laughs> edge that we have. Um, and so, you know, that is something that. Uh, I, we're very far away. We're, we're very, far, very away. far away from um, that. So that is yeah. not something I think any of us need to be worried about for, you know, I don't want to give a time frame, but let's just say y- you cannot worry about that um, in the immediate term. But if you're, but that, that that is a message to lean into our creativity, our innovation and our adaptation. If all we're doing yeah. is like Scrum adherence and like, well, the Scrum guide says you need to do this in this scenario. I can do that now. So I, I'll tell, I'll give you an example. I went into Bard, which is Google's AI And I fed it an interview question, a scrum master interview question. And the question is, the team constantly struggles at the beginning of every sprint because their product backlog is empty, and the product owner doesn't have time to update it. They waste time getting the information from him. What do you do? The AI says, as a scrum master, here are some things I would do to uh, to handle the following scenario. Number one, I would talk to the product owner about the issue. I would find out why they're not able to update the product backlog in time. Are they too busy with other tasks? Do they not have the right information? Once you understand the root cause, you can work with them jointly to create a solution. Two, I would help the product owner to prioritize their tasks. Then it goes through to explain how it would do that in the backlog. I would three, facilitate regular backlog refinement sessions. Talks about how they would execute that. Number four, create a process for getting information from the product owner to the team through email, through Slack, finding ways to get those regular updates. And five, I would coach the product owner on how to be more effective. And this is what I would say to them to coach them. And I'm like, wow, okay. Uh, You know, if an AI at this point is regurgitating those answers, do not be the scrum master who can only regurgitate answers. You need to be leaning into your creative and innovative part of your brain and getting away from the stock. The scrum guide says this, like that stuff is fine to lean on, But that should just be your foundation. That should not be what you're bringing out of your toolkit all the time. Uh, Otherwise, again, the AI can give the same boring answer that you could regurgitate offline.
0: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't say anything about finesse or the personal interaction or what if that PO um, has a history of, of working in very domineering environments where they're the one who's expected to always deliver regardless of what's going on. And, you know, whether they had cereal for breakfast or oatmeal, like, I mean, there's so many different factors that come into how a human being engages with another human being.
1: Uh I can't track that. That's the human stuff that you're talking about. That's the messy stuff that an AI or a tool may not think to even be considering, right? Because it's human variables that are changing all the time. Um, And so by leaning into our humanity, we can better serve our teams and our clients. But again, that means breaking away from this like strict scrum adherence and really leaning into your understanding of human behavior and conflict and people's needs. Um, And that is just something that machines will not be able to do for a while.
0: And that's your job. So you can rely on the machine to be um, aware of process and process. Variation and aware of all the metrics and things like that, and use it to collect and, and analyze data that will give you the information you need to make decisions about how you want to engage with the team or the company or the product or whatever. You nailed it. Okay. So, what we really have to worry about is not AI, but it's improvisational AI if that ever becomes a thing. Yeah. I mean, like, where, and, and where like- I can actually say, like, okay, if Charles Bukowski won at the racetrack and then drank 18 wine coolers and was listening to, what would to Tchaikovsky, what would, what would he
1: write? I mean, yeah. that, that is, should be scary beyond like Agile and Scrum mastership, you know? And I think that there's gonna be some great things that'll come out of that. Like everything we spoke about uh, earlier about this this d- sort of double-edged sword, there are great things that we will get. And there are some things that will, there are some things that will come out of this that will be uh, painful and, and will be challenging. Uh, and, you know, I think this is a poignant Thing for many of us to remember in the last century you needed to memorize information the people that were the scholars who were the, the change makers out there could memorize tons of information quotes uh understanding of like you know ancient languages and they could bring this stuff back out to influence um and and you know and make change through innovation but in this century we need to know the tools needed to access that information. Our paradigm in yeah. the past thousand years is evolving in the blink of an eye, comparatively, and you know why wouldn't our roles be on track to evolve as well? Like, are we willing to evolve? And I think that's going to be the mark of a, a truly great agilist is our ability to serve the wave to surf the waves of uncertainty, right? And like complexity, uh, because the paradigm is changing. It's it's. It just is and so the tools that will support us are changing and we can now put our focus elsewhere just like we don't have to memorize the things that our counterparts in the 1890s had to memorize that stuff's just available um and so this is going to be about welcoming the
0: change to really be able to make more impact elsewhere do you do you think that with what you were just saying one thing kind of sparked for me is that in some ways it's kind of scary because I have less places to hide now. Like if all the data is available and clearly shown and indisputable, like I was thinking, you know, why did I, why did my team fail the sprint? You know, the computer would be able to tell us, well, there was a flood or, well, there was a server outage or, well, based on the analysis of what we're getting out of the restrooms, it seems like one of your team members has a drug problem. Um, (laughs) God. Because it could get all that stuff and put it together and tell you exactly where the performance issues are, but which is scary. But even if it can tell me that, it doesn't tell me how to fix them.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, this is a new learning for me too. I was asked by a director to identify metrics. What are metrics that I could use as an early warning system to let me know that a performer is in trouble And they're struggling so that I could step in and coach with them. And I started doing like a dive on this. And at first I was kind of like, this could be used really badly. And so I really tried to educate and coach them and steer them on why you need to be careful about only using like the data in the system to draw a picture of what's happening with a performer, all that kind of good stuff. But as I dug deeper, I found out that IBM, I think has actually replaced uh, most or all of their HR staff with um, a machine learning tool that looks at the data of their performers and then in an early warning way, let's a manager minority report exactly but
0: for 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 work not murder (laughs) the uh, precogs gave you a black ball you're you're, fired
1: yeah and so they (laughs) like they go to the manager and it like sends them this message of like hey this person is is struggling their performance is down by x or y or it's up by x and y and then it encourages them to engage with this person to kind of like coach and support them so it's not meant to be punitive but like obviously that system can be abused but i i was reading about that and i went back to my director and i was like well you could just use what ibm is using and like you know. know get rid of all the HR people or we could use like look at some of these other metrics and like make a personalized decision based on your interactions with your team so it's like roughly you know there's a lot of ways that we can go right now and I think as these tools keep developing we're going to have to all of us in the work world are going to have to make some decisions about how human we want to be in our interactions versus like how much do we want the machine to take over
0: wow so there's I'm gonna just I'm mentioning this right now. I'm gonna put another link at the bottom of the show notes to um Hall's thing. So he's got a group that's getting together to talk about how to how the agile community can use AI in a responsible and positive way, which is what we're basically what we're talking about. Right. How, like how do you have it tell you like if something's weird over there, go look at it and not like fire that person tomorrow at two PM. Like we don't want the machine telling us the fate of everyone based on its I mean, it's sort of like prescribing velocity in certain ways, right? If you look at the history of everything that's happened in the company and you say, because of everything that's ever happened at this place with everyone we've ever hired, that person is going to go off the rails tomorrow morning at 11.15. You got to take care of that right now before it's even happened.
1: Yeah. You're, you're, you're touching on this piece again of like scaring myself. if, (laughs) If what you, if all that we do in our role is like prescribing velocity, prescribing events, prescribing what the scrum guide says we become very replaceable. And so what I would encourage Agilists to be doing at this time, um, and you can take the advice or leave it, but this is my suggestion to you, anyone that's listening, start to to learn a little bit about machine learning models and tools that focuses on team metrics and performance. There are stuff that can automate these very repeatable tasks and get some of that off your plate early. So uh, you can focus in other places too automation. If you use Jira great, there's probably other automation suites and other tools like Rally and stuff like that. But there are I use Jira automation constantly to automate as much of my repeatable tasks as I can. So like in you know when a when a the stories in an epic are all done, I have the epic close itself. I have um you know the sprints starting and stopping on their own for some of my teams based on the time. I've got like 40 different automations running for this one team um, to sort of manage the changes in the backlog and things like that. And it frees me up to focus on the, the third thing that I would recommend to Agilists is to focus on behavior and change. And like you and I have talked about tools for gauging willingness to change, like the um, yeah. change framework from Prochaska and Clemente. We talked about motivational interviewing start to go get that certification of facilitation. You heard Dave talk about it earlier. Um, And I'm not being paid to recommend that, by the way. But I think that, you know, whether (laughs) you go to that or not, there are so many good uh, books and classes and things out there on behavior and change. That is going to be our selling point. Um, If you want to get into the machine learning stuff, there's a great course called AI for Everybody. Uh, It's pretty short and it's on, I want to say Coursera. Uh, Take that. I got it on sale for like, 15 bucks. Um, really great course, kind of explains machine learning and, um, and neural networks and deep learning and like what its capabilities are and the ethics behind it. Uh, really good thing for you to be learning as an agilist. And then finally, complexity and crisis management. Um, and we, we don't need to get too deep into that, but the people that are learning about systems thinking and how to think more broadly and get away from that team level, right? And like learning how to play at the C-suite, learning how to play at an organizational level, you are going to be much more Um, successful. And this kind of brings us back to that Ukraine talk, where that was an exercise in complexity and uncertainty. And my crisis management background really enabled me to do better than I would have if I had just been like, well, the Scrum Guide says the Scrum Guide doesn't say anything about global like war. They don't say anything about invasion. And like, what do you do when (laughs) bombing is happening on your standup? So like, we need to get really good. um, at And I'll say it
0: once more, embracing the mess. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. I have one final question for you on this topic. Because you seem to be very positive about it. You're looking at it from a positive perspective. You're finding ways to, we can add value, navigate the changes that are coming. What about it scares you? What about the the advent of AI in, in our workspace scares you?
1: So much. Um, I think part of why I'm doing this and part of why I'm sharing this message is because it does scare me. And I want, okay. I want other Agilists to be working with me to figure out what our future looks like. I am worried that we get replaced I because I know the value that so many Agilists bring to their organization and to their teams. Um, I, know, I know the impact that people being replaced by machinery had uh, during the Industrial Revolution. It brought some great things, mm-hmm. but it also brought some major pain for people um, who had access to jobs that no longer have it. I, I think that a lot of groups are underestimating the impact that it will have on people's lives, both positive and negative. So I think it'll create new jobs, but for people that are not able to skill up, it's not going to create a new job for you most likely. Um, And so that, that, that worries me. And then, you know, the best organizations that I've worked at, they deeply understand the human side of work and they build it into their culture. And as more machines take over, um, or augment our work, and we are the humans are doing less and less of the day to day. That that human touch, which can be messy and problematic, is removed from the equation, and we get something that can become cold uh, and detached, um, and doesn't take into account, you know, someone who has a sick spouse uh, who has dropped their performance because you know they've been a great performer, but they've dropped because they're taking care of someone they love, um, and so. Those are the things that we need humans for. And that is what scares me, losing that. And I think that we need to be architects of this change. And we only do that by getting educated about what's coming uh, and to sort of help shepherd this change along because we get to have our hand in it. Um, and if not, we just become victims of this change. we This is something that happens to us instead of something we do with.
0: That's awesome. So. The thing that you said in there that like really lit me up, basically, the data is not going to tell the machine how to do the right thing. If somebody's got a sick wife, the right thing might be to let them, you know, give them some time, whatever. But but the machine doesn't have the ability to make those kind of judgments. And that's an important thing that we need people for. And yeah, it might make the system a little less efficient from a data standpoint, but it's more humane. Right. It honors people, because we're not machines. We're not machines. And again,
1: I, I want to you know say for people that are listening, I don't know when this is going to happen. There are some things, this, the chatbots, the Scrum Master chatbots, that are already on their way to market. And so those are some things that will change quickly. You know, companies adopting like IBM Watson, as IBM did to like manage their HR, I think we're a far ways out from that. Again, I think most companies have dirty data, use the term. Um, And so it's going to take them a while. But that just means that we have time to get in and shape this. We have time to be driving this conversation and not let it be a conversation that's happening around us. So I ask everyone to be empowered, to dig in, to learn about this stuff, to challenge what's coming in your organizations, to, to advocate for the human side of this. Um, as Dave was pointing out, like we, we need that or else a good portion of the agile values and principles are gone uh, or they start to become less less impactful. Um, and I think that that stuff is what drives successful business, that transparency, that, that, um, that honesty, that courage. Those are things that we cannot lose and that AI can't replicate. And so it's gonna rely on humans to really bring that. And so that's one more area where we can really step up and be the champions of that um, courageous and humane and transparent work
0: yeah that's awesome thank you i mean i feel like (laughs) i keep talking about it for days but i really appreciate you making time for it um i'm just thinking so one one last thing i because this is happening in my head right now um after that Bukowski thing i started thinking like "Well, okay what if taylor swift just got dumped by napoleon bonaparte (laughs) and the only thing she had available to her was a harpsichord um What would happen, right? So, I mean, eventually you might be able to do things like that, but why would you ever want to do that? And like, for me, when I start coming up with these things in my head and going, like letting myself follow the path, I get to the point where, yeah, we might be able to do that someday, but what is the benefit of that? Like, and why would we? And what I worry is when the World Wide Web started, it was really cool. And then all of a sudden it was just like junked up with so much, I mean, not that it's not now, but. Useless, dumb crap, um, and I think that could easily happen with AI too. Lots of tools we don't need doing stuff that isn't helping anyone. I agree, and 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 also,
1: part of being human is dumb crap, right? Like, That's what true. is the what <laughs> is the benefit of um, of art in some cases? And like, yeah. you know, would an AI look at some of the things that humans have created and say, oh, "This is not useful." but they are things that make us human and they're beautifully useless and silly, but it is part of the human condition to sometimes be useless and silly and just sort of revel um, in our ridiculousness. And I think that's part of creativity. And I'm not saying that again, that AI is gonna take all that away, but I think that in this age of, of technology um, being held up on a pedestal where you know AI is the future, our humanity is the future. Um, and you know, and these tools are going to help us hopefully replace stuff that takes away from our humanity so that we can lean into the things that matter or sometimes don't matter at all, because that
0: is what makes us. Yeah. Mindful. All right. That was great, man. Thank you. Um, what if people want to get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to do? I that? think
1: LinkedIn these days is the easiest way for them to get in touch okay. with me. Um, yeah, I had a I have a website up, No Crisis Team that I put together for the Global Scrum Gathering talk I did on the Ukraine stuff. They could get through there, but cool. LinkedIn's just a, is a great way to um, quickly send me a message. Uh, you know, give me some new ideas, ask me some questions, um, challenge me. You know, share some new new content. If you come across changes in the industry around AI or behavioral science, I'd love to check it out. I'm always trying to learn new things, so please don't hesitate to reach out um, and share something with me so I can learn. Uh, and and uh, get a bit smarter.
0: This was awesome man. Thank you very much for making time for this. Yeah,
1: thank you for having me on. You are always uh encouraging <laughs> um, me to just share some some ideas and I really appreciate uh you get creating such a go- great platform. Yeah, no, this was great. If
0: you learn to work the old way, but the new way's
1: what you need not jobs to make that switch from old to new